It's Thursday, December 19th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Historic moment for the United States as President Donald Trump becomes the third president in American history to be impeached. Both articles, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, passed along party lines. The next step is to move to a trial in the Senate in the new year, where Republicans have said that they will not remove him from office. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, joins us to talk about the impeachment vote and the legacy of President Trump and Nancy Pelosi. Next, some new findings from the Monitoring the Future survey. Teenagers are drinking less alcohol, smoking fewer cigarettes, and trying fewer hard drugs. But while these trends are good news, there has been a sharp increase in the vaping of nicotine and marijuana. The survey looks at 8th, 10th, and 12th graders and says that young people have gotten the wrong message on vaping, thinking that it is not harmful. Matt Richtel, reporter for The New York Times, joins us for what the survey shows. Youth, drug use, and experimentation continues to go through an evolution. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. On this vote, the yeas are 230, the nays are 197, present is 1, Article 1 is adopted. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. We have a historic moment in the United States. President Donald Trump has been impeached. He's the third president to be impeached in in the U.S. history. Article 1, abuse of power passed 230 to 197 with one person voting present. I think that was Representative Tulsi Gabbard. Article 2, obstruction of Congress, that was 229 to 198, also one person voting present. Uh, Ginger, tell us uh, the historical significance of what happened. Yes, this was one um, of the most significant days in the history of the United States Congress and the presidency. A president has only been impeached three times now. This was the third time this vote has been taken in the United States House. Um, It will be remembered in our history books. uh, Whatever legacy Trump lives, he will forever be one of only uh, those three presidents to be impeached. The House went through hours and hours of debate. They called it debate. It's not, they weren't really debating anything. Everybody was just taking turns kind of making statements uh, against the other party. Uh, Democrats were uh, uh, positioning President Trump as really a villain, almost to democracy and to the country. And the Republicans were positioning him as a hero, touting a lot of his uh, work with the economy and just how he's been railroaded by the Democrats. Tell us a little bit about the debate process that was going on earlier. I think you're right. Debate might be a generous term to use to describe what happened on the U.S. House floor uh, before this vote uh, on Wednesday. Most of it was them making their arguments and talking past one another. Um, There was uh, no surprises and and surely no minds changed in the process. Uh, We heard Democrats going over and over the evidence they see in this case, what they argue was an abuse of power. Power, uh, detailing what the president did, and then trying to make the case uh, more to the American public that it 
it endangered Americans, that it endangered uh, not just the Constitution and the democracy, uh, but national security in general, uh, because the president was asking a foreign country to interfere in our elections. Republicans uh, really didn't engage in the facts so much. I mean, when you look at like what happened, what the president said and did, he hasn't disputed it. It's been the yeah. characterization that he's disputed from Democrats and Republicans uh, mostly uh, decided to argue um, the procedure, that the process was unfair to the president, as well uh, that this was not rooted in any type of uh, legitimate grievance against the president, but instead based on just uh, a vindictiveness or a hatred that Democrats hold towards yeah. the president. Let's talk a little bit about legacy. That's the word that's been thrown around a lot. And, and I want to talk about it in, in a few separate terms, a few separate ways. First of all, Republicans, it seems like now we, we did a story previously on the podcast about the tribalization of politics. And with this vote kind of almost completes that whole thing. And it very much seems now that the Republicans are the party of Trump. They've been going through this transition. That's right. You know, I was um, at a Trump campaign uh, event last week and a senior official asked about what the Republican Party was going to look like after the Trump presidency, whether it be uh, the end of this term or another, said, you know, we've already uh, taken over. His words uh, were a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Uh, but we see a very different party, even than we saw a few years ago uh, when Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. Uh, there was much less tendency to defend the president, to rally behind him. Uh, they would attack Democrats, but they wouldn't really uh, argue that the the president uh, was not at fault. Uh, the the U.S. House of Kevin McCarthy uh, is quite different, and we heard uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, sort of come to the president's defense, uh, followed by his party. The the yelling, the heckling we heard from Republicans on the House floor, uh, in quite contrast to to the way Nancy Pelosi was handling her caucus, uh, shows you some of the differences that we've seen in that party over time. She's going to go down in history. Uh, almost in a similar way that President Donald Trump is. Uh, I mean, she is uh, the first female speaker of the House. Uh, she was very involved in the whole impeachment process from top to bottom. She was approving witnesses. She was approving news releases, all this stuff. What is her legacy going to be like? Because I'm sure she'd rather tie her accomplishments to Affordable Care Act and other major uh, milestones that she's passed, things that she's helped uh, be a part of. But this is also another one that she's involved with now. I have no doubt Nancy Pelosi will go down as one of the greatest tacticians to ever lead the United States House. Uh, the best whip to work in Congress since LBJ. Um, she has an astute understanding of not just the House, but politics on a macro level. Uh, she was very reluctant to have the House embark on an impeachment inquiry. She pushed back uh, against her members who had been clamoring for this for some time until she saw this Ukraine incident and she said that it was a bridge too far, that it could not be tolerated. Um, she will be remembered, I think, uh, for this process. She will be remembered for how she handled it. Um, and I think, at least in the short term, Democrats have really grown uh, to sort of adore her and respect her for the way that she's able uh, to engage with and, and win some victories against President Trump. The next step is the Senate trial in the new year. 
uh, kind of the same way we knew that uh, Democrats were going to impeach him in the House. We know that uh, Senate Republicans are going to acquit him there during that trial. Um, you know, what do we make of that? Because I know a lot of Democrats now, I mean, they went through all of this and uh, the politically vulnerable Democrats voted for impeachment. Uh, it makes it seem all for naught, maybe, because of we because we already know that he will be acquitted in the Senate. Well, they would argue it's not for not that they were acting upon what they felt was the right thing to do for the country. But you are correct uh, that this is unlikely to go very far uh, in the Senate. In fact, uh, Mitch McConnell has raised the prospect of not having witnesses of moving through this very quickly once uh, the Senate returns after the holidays in January. Um, we can expect to see uh, the Senate take this up uh, very quickly uh, to to move on to this, to not delay getting started. Uh, and then uh, we can expect to see them acquit. Uh, the number of Republicans that would have to flip sides uh, in order to remove the president is likely to be an insurmountable hurdle for those who would like to see him gone. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we expect President Trump to declare himself vindicated, right. uh, proven to have done nothing wrong. The story really continues all the way to the election, because that's where the consequences are all going to matter. That's when we know if the president would be reelected. That's when we know if voters will not uh, put uh, not vote for Democrats who voted against the president. Uh, really, this story goes on all the way into the election. They'll be talking about this impeachment vote on both sides of the aisle uh, for the next year, maybe longer, but surely until we get to November of 2020, uh, Democrats think that even if the Senate acquits them, this is going to rally their supporters to do even more to get him removed from office. Republicans think uh, that once they acquit him, his supporters will see this impeachment vote as an unfair attack and rally to come to his defense. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now it's moved to students vaping in hallways, vaping in classrooms. In the back, two desks in the corner, um, they had their hands kind of up like this, um, and there was a blue light coming from between their hands. Joining us now is Matt Richtel. Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for the New York Times and author of An Elegant Defense, a book about the body's immune system. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks for having me. So we got some findings from the Monitoring the Future survey. And what we're learning from this is that teenagers are drinking less alcohol, smoking fewer cigarettes and trying fewer hard drugs, which is all great news. But what we're also seeing is a sharp increase in the vaping of marijuana and nicotine. Matt, tell us a little right. bit about what we're learning. I think big picture, you'd say an, an ongoing transformation of what it means to be a teenager when it comes to drugs and alcohol. The reason I say ongoing is that um, some of the, that good news has been happening for a while. Sharp decreases over the years, over time in, in alcohol use and, um, and, and cigarette use. Um, offset now by this um, really significant increase in vaping. No surprise, right? Right, exactly. I know it's been in the news constantly this past year. We obviously know all about all those vaping illnesses that were going around and deaths related to it as well. Who is this survey tracking specifically? I know we said teenagers, but what age ranges and grades are we seeing here? This looks at tens of thousands of um, uh, of of 
self-reported data, survey data from eighth graders, tenth graders, and twelfth graders, and it's um, it's considered the, one of the most closely watched measures of teen drug and alcohol use. I, I draw a distinction here um, so that uh, so that we don't get yelled at by people listening, but also to be clear to those who want to understand that there is a huge distinction between vaping. Nicotine, vaping marijuana, and even vaping uh, black market marijuana, and here I mean THC with contaminants. So let me just take them in each category. In September, um, the the monitoring the future, uh, the the survey, uh, which is sponsored by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, put out the um, the nicotine vaping numbers, and I believe the numbers aren't in front of me right now, but I think it was a, a quarter of all seniors. Had in high school, so 12th graders said that they had vaped nicotine uh, in the last month. Those numbers have been going up for each age group. Um, let's just show, can I just pause on nicotine for a moment? Sure. Um, because I want to I want to keep it separate from insofar as we can from the marijuana or THC issue. So those numbers are are going up, and um, no surprise, we've been seeing it for a few years. Uh, these are sleek, uh, uh, desirable devices, easier to hide. There is one. Um, there's one part of this story that I think um, is is really significant um, when it comes to both kinds of vaping. But I'll keep it on nicotine for a second. When we look at and, and when the scholars look at why smoking has been has gone down so sharply, um, there are multi multiple reasons that involve. Um, harsher laws, harsher penalties, non-smoking areas, but a ton of education about the risks involved. Um, and so we've seen that we've seen smoking go down uh, to really wonderful, wonderfully low levels relative to historic ones. But part of the issue when it comes to vaping of nicotine in teens is that there has been an enormous amount of misinformation about um, how relatively risk-free it is. Right. It is not risk-free for teens. Um, does that make sense so far? Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and that's why, you know, a lot of these companies were being hit with their marketing practices, you know, things like flavors. And you would hear a lot of things of people saying, well, it's a healthier alternative to smoking the actual cigarette. So, yeah, I, I definitely can see where people would get it confused. Uh, one of the researchers makes the point that, uh, you know, for a while um, there was an idea that it was just water vapor yeah. and um, and flavorings. In fact, the, the nicotine doses are, are um, really intense, um, can cause addiction. Um, there are associated other public health issues involved. And the linkage between, if you want to make a segue over here to the marijuana piece, is that Unlike the um, messages that have gone out with regard to alcohol and with regard to cigarettes, opiates, um, OxyContin, Vicodin, all of which have, um, are being used less by teens, um, the, the linkage between nicotine and marijuana is that the, the, the public health messaging has been very mixed. And um, let me just put a fine point on it. Um, if you look at the marketing of marijuana 
today. And, and, and let's break this down because people get frustrated. They they want to hear the component parts, THC, um, hemp, which is um, has very low concentrations of THC, CBD, the non-psychoactive part. Right. Whatever we're talking about here, but let's talk about THC and marijuana they, they, um, in the broader category of marijuana. I, are you have, have you noticed the same marketing that says, well, not only may it be safe, but it may solve all kinds of health problems? Well, you definitely with the CBD aspect of it, you see that all over the place. Uh, maybe not so much on the THC front, but CBD, I mean, I've seen radio ads, TV ads, all sorts of stuff relating to that for sure. From research, if you walk into the, the, the dispensaries, even the THC products will have names like relax, calm. Yeah. There are intimations that it will reduce anxiety. And then there's medical, um, the, you know, there are medical reports about what combination of THC and CBD. Why am I saying all this? Because when you look at the numbers of 12th graders who have reported past month use, of of um mar- of vaping marijuana it has gone these numbers are big right. from 7% last year to 14% this year that is a huge huge increase and one of the reasons um, appears to be that the health messaging is not at all clear. And there, there is an outstanding question, and we don't know the answer to this, whether the legalization um, has, has just simply made it more available. I know that seems obvious, but the research is not clear yet. Yeah. I mean, in the meantime, you know, we were t- you were talking about the THC vaping, you know, that that's, has uh, these oils, obviously, that are uh, hard for the lungs to process. I know that the CDC identified the vitamin E acetate as a big culprit, possible culprit in all of this. And, and uh, you know, you just really have to be careful. And, um, you know, with younger people kind of increasingly getting their hands on these, as you mentioned, the technology allows for it to be used a lot easier. This is kind of the new problem where a lot of attention needs to be focused on. I, I think we need a lot of attention on it because there are serious health risks for a developing brain. Um, and I want to go to the point I'm glad you brought up. There is, in addition to the the vaping question broadly, the specific question of um, what is causing this severe lung illness that has now um, uh, befallen about 2,000 people with 52 deaths. We think we, being the public health community that I interview, so I shouldn't say we, but they believe that this is generally black market vaping cartridges, products, oils that include um, additional solvents like vitamin E acetate. But I want to be very clear. Because there has been insufficient research done on marijuana vaping, the public health community is not totally clear what heavy oil does when it is vaped into the lungs. And there are people who say, but we've been vaping for years and there haven't been illness. It's not exactly so. What, what is true is that traditional vaping of marijuana was done through the heating up of the flour, not necessarily the extraction of the oil. If there are young people and parents listening, I implore you, understand that we do not yet know what these heavy oils do when they are in the lungs. And we, in particular, don't know what they do to chronic users. You may be putting yourself at risk. So that's partly why these numbers are significant right now, because they're happening in the midst of this uncertainty. From the survey, one of the things we did learn is that there is an uptick in daily use in some of these teenagers. So definitely something that we need to monitor
Matt Richtel, Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for the New York Times and author of An Elegant Defense, a book about the immune system. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.